0: right here, right now. I'm your host Ben Kurkowski, and on Sunday night the Packers slaughtered the Bears 45-30 to 30. and even though this was a two-score game this really was a thriller of a game because of the craziness of what happened on Sunday. And there's a lot of crazy stuff that happened in this game that we will talk about later but there was a lot of good that came out of this game and one of The things that was really overlooked was how good our defense played in this game at first glance it seems like the Packers gave up 30 points and you would blame that on our defense but that's just not true if you really look at it the Packers defense played pretty well the Packers forced to start the game the Packers forced two long drives to start the game one of which was a punt the other was a field goal over 17 plays of offense the Bears put up just three points then, on the next drive, Rasul Douglas, played playing fantastic defense, gets called for a defensive pass interference, which honestly, I thought could have been called for offensive pass interference, which gives the Bears a first down instead of a third down, and then they had a huge breakaway touchdown. So, one bad defensive drive over the first three, but that came at the expense of a bad call by the refs, Okay. Then the next drive, Rasul Douglas. This is the drive where Douglas has the amazing pick six and has his second pick six in just two games. The fact that this guy, Rasul Douglas, was on the practice squad of multiple other NFL teams this season blows my mind. And it wasn't just that play, but he almost picked off another pass for a pick six later in this game as well. Russell Douglas played elite coverage in this again in this game, and I don't know what the Packers are going to do when Jair is ready to play again because of just how good Rasul Douglas has played and how good Eric Stokes are playing on the outside. Eric Stokes has a forced incompletion percentage into his coverage at over 50%. Which is the best of any cornerback in the entire NFL with over 50 targets his their direction. So, this secondary is playing fantastic right now. Eric Stokes is playing great in his own way. Uh, Russell Douglas is making plays on the football constantly, always uh, sticky coverage, pass breakups is what he does so well. I'm 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 interested to see how the Packers are going to utilize Jair, Jair Alexander moving forward, and now a healthy Kevin King as well. I'm 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 excited to say the least about this secondary. And so moving on though for our defense, on the very next drive after the Rasul Douglas pick six pick six, the Bears have another huge breakaway touchdown for fifty-four yards. So to start the game, the Packers gave up pretty much two huge plays, one of which probably should not have happened because of a flag. But after that, this defense was pretty amazing. The the Packers allowed a field goal. Uh, right before the half, but the Bears started on their own 42-yard line on that drive. And honestly, I really don't care if my defense gives up a field goal. Giving up a touchdown is a different story, but giving up just a field goal in today's NFL is is kind of a win. And so during the first half, it wasn't great. There was two breakaway plays, uh, a really long drive for a field goal, bad field position for another field goal. And so It wasn't a great first half, but the second half is what was amazing. On the very first drive, Preston Smith had a strip sack for a turnover, and Preston Smith right now is playing the best football of his career. Everybody, including myself was ready to cut Preston Smith this offseason, and Brian Gutekinds worked his magic by basically having the same salary cap space he would have gotten from cutting Preston Smith by restructuring that contract, giving Preston Smith some incentives in that deal, and and while still keeping him on the team. And this defense would not be where it is this year without Preston Smith. Smith had double-digit pressures in this game. He was just sensational. And so that first drive of the first half we had the ship sack the next drive for the bears was three plays and a punt and then another three and out for the bears and then another three and out that that was three three and outs in a row all leading to punts and talk about momentum the packers just felt like they were winning that game by 30 points because of how little the bears were on offense and after that the packers uh kept um playing pretty good defense they did their thing not allowing big plays most of the time they had a 10 the bears had a 10 play field goal drive so again a really good defense having such a long drive occur but still only allowing the field goal on that drive and then the packers intercept fields to end the game and so that's that's what happened on defense for the Packers in this game. When you get rid of what happened on the special teams, which we'll talk about later, this game went pretty well for the Packers defensively. The Packers forced the Bears to punt four times. The Bears were forced to kick two field goals and they had two breakaway touchdowns. Uh, But the Packers also forced three turnovers in this game on defense as well. And 20 points a game on defense is pretty good. And if you get rid of the terrible field position because of our special teams, it probably should have been 17 points. And if you get the ref making the right call on that pass interference call early on to Rasul Douglas, it probably should have been just 10 points this defense gave up in this game. And why this defense was so good on Sunday was making sure we had Devondre Campbell in the lineup. He was coming off of COVID. He was questionable for this game, but he was fantastic just being a hawk in the middle of our defense. He finished with 16 total tackles in this game, the most by a Packers player since 2000. And then on top of that, was our pass rush. Obviously, our coverage was amazing. We already talked about that. But our pass rush, they pressured Justin Fields on 65.1% of his dropbacks. That's an unheard of number that blows my mind. That's a crazy amount. And this Packers team continues to pressure opposing quarterbacks no matter the offensive line we are facing up against. And that looks really good especially knowing how good our secondary is playing right now and especially with the boost that's coming soon from Jair Alexander returning to the lineup and maybe even a boost to our pass rush soon from Zedarius Smith and we cannot talk about how amazing this Packers offense was as well in this game this offense was just dominant mostly because of the play of Aaron Rodgers who went 29 for 37 for 341 yards in the air in four touchdowns And what was so key from Rodgers in this game, and why for the first time in a long time, I would say Rodgers looked like an MVP MVP quarterback again, was he did not have a turnover-worthy throw in this game. Rodgers in previous games has put the ball in danger and just made questionable decisions, but kind of got lucky because those plays did not turn into interceptions, even though they could have. But in this game, Rodgers did not put the ball in harm's way even once. He was fantastic, and he just made throws, um, that are just so hard to make. I I can think of three just off the top of my head. The Aaron Jones back across the body throw for a touchdown, the wheel route to Devonta Adams for a touchdown, and that huge play on like third and eighteen to Alan Lazard hitting the gap in the cover two zone in the deep left corner. Rogers was great in this game. And some guys stepped up big time in our passing game as well. Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara. All had some of their best games of the season. MVS continued to be involved. Rodgers missed him on a couple of throws in this game for sure as well. Um, and so he's looking great. Devonta Adams continues to be dominant, finishing his third game in a row with over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. And even Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon together averaged for over five yards per carry in this game. A.J. Dillon was literally instrumental to the team's ability, ability to drive down the field consistently in the second half. And so just so many guys stepped up in this game and it really just showed how deep this team can be, even with losing guys like Randall Cobb to surgery earlier last week and Robert Tunyon earlier this season. But what continued to be an important thing to notice about our offense in this game was our offensive line. Our entire offensive line played pretty solid overall and Rodgers was only pressured on six dropbacks the entire game, which is amazing. And that was even though starting right tackle Billy Turner left this game with an apparent severe knee injury. He most likely tore his MCL and the person who had to come in to replace him was veteran free agent acquisition Dennis Kelly. Kelly started all 16 games for the Titans last season at right tackle. He was a huge addition in free agency because he was another veteran guy. Brian Gutekinds was able to sign in the summer for little to nothing. In his second day of practice this summer, he was running with the, with the ones at right tackle, actually. But then he suffered a knee injury that has limited his availability since the summer up until about two weeks ago. And now he's ready to play and finally healthy. And the Packers needed him to step up, and he did. He played great as a pass blocker, kind of bad as a run blocker, but that's okay. He wasn't awful. He was honestly just barely below average overall, and that's what you need from a backup offensive tackle. And thankfully, Brian Gudikins continued to incrementally improve this roster by creating depth all over in case of injury, and so that when guys go down, this team doesn't crumble. And that's what has happened so far this year for the Packers, especially on our offensive line. In this game, we had our third string left tackle, backup left guard, backup center, starting rookie right guard, and backup right tackle playing in this game. The Packers are in a place where they are relying on four backups across their offensive line, one of which was a backup's backup, okay? And so to not really notice them in this game was huge, that this offensive line could be that cohesive knowing the situation we are in with the injuries that have occurred. So at this point, the one thing the Packers do need to consider is finding another offensive lineman, which is going to be hard at this point in the season, being that it is week 15. But there are some options to consider. And all of those options are veteran players who at this point have kind of considered themselves retired, but not officially. All four of these guys are players who played last season, but due to a combination of injury and age, they have just decided to not play unless the situation was perfect. And I think they also realized that their body probably cannot last an entire season either, but these guys can all still play. The first guy and probably the most important guy the Packers need to consider signing is Mitchell Schwartz. Schwartz most recently played for the Kansas City Chiefs, But last season, he had a season-ending back injury for which he had off-season back surgery for, and he hoped to be recovered and ready to play by the start of 2021 regular season. But his recovery process has went slower than expected, and that's all the news we really have on him at this point. There hasn't been any major reports that have come out since September, but in that quote from Schwartz himself, he spoke about that he's just trying to get over that final hump and get back to a spot where he has felt like he did the last nine years, and then he would consider playing again. And that was over three months ago now, and he might be an available asset for the Packers if he is healthy. Because when healthy, Schwartz has been one of the better right tackles in the NFL, he's been very consistent every single year grading in the mid 70s or higher according to pff throughout his career which is actually higher than billy turner has ever recorded his grade himself so if healthy uh mitchell schwartz might not even be a downgrade whatsoever he could be just a a lateral move that would not be even noticeable the other three guys i'm not as high on but our options are russell okong rick wagner and jared valdeer russell okong Okung is a longtime starting left tackle in the NFL, but he remained a free agent because no team was willing to pay him the money he believed he deserved as a starting left tackle this offseason. He's played at a high level for a long time, but he still remains unsigned. Uh, He's a quality left tackle, but he's struggled to stay healthy. He continues to get older. Uh, He might not be the solution for the Packers as we could be in need of more of a right tackle than a left tackle. But if Bakhtiari doesn't return like we hope, he, uh, he will. He, uh, uh, Russell Okung could be a guy we could sign who could play both left and right tackle. Rick Wagner... Uh, played is the next guy he played with the Packers last season but did not sign with the team this offseason I think he would have signed with the Packers if anybody but it seemed like he moved to Wisconsin to come back to home and get ready to retire but last year when he did play he was actually pretty great and had the best season of his career he had a 78.2 overall grade So he is definitely an option to consider. And then finally, Jared Valdir. The Packers have called Valdir's name two seasons in a row, now late in the season, and they could do it again. In 2019, Valdir stepped in and became the starter in both week 17 and in the divisional round to get us to the NFC Championship. And in 2020, Valdir did the same thing for the Colts before signing with the Packers to be our backup tackle for the divisional and NFC Championship game. In both of his two-game stints over the last two years, he has played at an above-average level, able to hand himself very well, and it seems like this might be something in which Valdir might be interested in doing, and he may be ready to play. If either one of these guys in Wagner or Valdir is healthy and in shape, the Packers need to go after one of these guys because we are out of true options at offensive tackle none of the other offensive linemen on the roster can play tackle, meaning as long as David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner are not ready to play, the Packers have nobody ready to play behind our now two current starters. It's urgent the Packers sign one of these four guys to the roster, not only because we're one injury away from them playing, but also to get them up to speed in this offense and get them into full ready-to-play shape. So the Packers are actually now the number one seed in the NFC because of the loss the Cardinals had on Monday night to the LA Rams. So the Packers right now, if they win out, they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But at this point to me, they cannot be my Super Bowl favorite picks. And that's because of three things. And one of those is injury replacements, which we just talked about If Brian Gutekunst is unable to sign one of those four guys I just mentioned, I cannot trust this team to make it through the playoffs and not fall apart on the offensive line. The second reason is our special teams. In this game on Sunday, the special teams unit probably had the worst performance ever over the last 20 years if you're to break down how many mishaps they had. The only good part was that finally... We had consistency when we kicked field goals and extra points in this game here's the list of things though that went wrong for our special teams unit in this game we allowed a 97 yard punt return touchdown we allowed a 34 yard punt return we allowed a 42 yard and a 40 yard kick return we had a kickoff out of bounds we muffed a kickoff return to start on our own three yard line we muffed a punt return by amari rogers which luckily was overturned because of a different flag, we shanked a punt, and we had a failed onside kick recovery. It was just a messed up day overall, and one of these issues that wasn't the case all season was our punter Corey Bohorquez had been playing fantastic. Through 12 games, Corey Bohorquez was absolutely having the best punting season in Packers history, and then on Sunday, that went downhill very quick. Bajorquez had a 10-yard net average on four punts in that game, which dropped him from fourth in the NFL, where no Green Bay punter had ever finished, all the way down to 19th in the NFL. While I don't think firing a coach midseason is the right thing to do for a special teams unit, as that could do even more harm than good, Maurice Drayton has got to get this unit together. And to me, it feels like he can't. It feels like he is in way over his head, and this special teams unit could be our Achilles heel in the playoffs. Yeah, the Packers still won this game by 15 points, but when you are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can't give them great field position five times. You can't give them a free touchdown, and you can't have two turnovers, all that happen on special teams. If you do that, you will lose to any quality team, which is what the playoffs is. All the best teams in the NFL, not teams like the Chicago Bears. I think at this point, because firing Maurice Drayton would not do you any good, Matt LaFleur has to take a bigger role in this unit over the rest of the season and trust his offense more to Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett. And Brian Gutekinds also has a role to play as well. There might be a kick return, punt return specialist who could be signed to our roster. I don't know of any offhand, but maybe it's just re-signing Tyler Irvin to our roster, our punt return specialist last year. But you have to find someone with experience in this role and, ki- and someone you can trust to not be a liability when it comes to catching punts and kickoffs and not losing the football. The last thing that concerns me about picking the Packers as Super Bowl favorites at this time is the inability of our offense to get off to a fast start. The Packers have been able to adjust and put up lots of points from the second quarter and on. But in the first quarter of games, this Packers team pretty much has been losing in every single game this season because they are just unable to score early on in games on their first few possessions. The Packers are 25th in the NFL in scoring in the first quarter of the season. And when the Packers are playing bad teams like the Bears, it's not the end of the world. They can come back and win those games handily. But against the best teams in the NFL... You cannot just waste your first few drives of the game. I don't know what that's about, but this Packers team last season was able to score and put up points right away in almost every football game, and that's what made them the number one offense in the NFL. But this year, that has not been the case at all. If the Packers are unable to add depth at the offensive tackle position, if we are unable to fix this special teams unit, and if we are unable to start putting up touchdowns early in games this Packers team, which most likely will earn the number one seed in the NFC in the playoffs, will most likely see its chance at a Super Bowl disappear as one of these three Achilles heels will be the end for the Packers this postseason. So that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes of Packers Now. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers Now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green and gold because... It's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks guys.